Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the November 2022 edition of The Compliance Life. This month in November, I visit with Stephen Martin. Stephen is the CCO at Skillsoft. Stephen has worked in a variety of areas in the compliance field, in law firms, the DOJ, and consulting. I know you'll enjoy the month of November on The Compliance Life. In this fourth and concluding final episode of the November edition of The Compliance Life, Stephen Martin moves to the CCO chair and reflects back on a career in compliance. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back with Bridget Abram. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to Episode 4 in this month's The Compliance Live featuring our guest, Stephen Martin. First of all, Stephen, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Always great to be here. So, Stephen, you are now in the CCO chair. I wanted to ask you, what's your role now, and what are the challenges of being a CCO at a company which delivers compliance products and services? Yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? And it's one of the things. It's one of the reasons why I was really excited to join Skillsoft. By title, I'm the senior vice president for legal compliance. Is how we caption it. What that means is that I oversee and responsible for both managing and enhancing. Uh, the compliance program. I also sit on the steering committee for our ESG initiative, which I'm very excited about, and then work with various groups. A lot of it, I work on the risk management committee. I work on, I serve it right now as the data protection officer for the business. I work with our InfoSec security teams. You know, 
and and then I also, as a lawyer in the group, assist with litigation, internal investigations, risk management, and some employment issues. And so it's really a comprehensive job, very interesting. But at its core, I'm responsible for overseeing and enhancing the program for a company that just went public a little over a year ago. So that's a great point, going public point. It puts on a whole set of internal financial controls, SOX 404 controls, and it you have a whole set of compliance internal controls. How much are you able to use the SOX 404 financial controls as a part of your compliance controls as well? Look, the SOX 404, I think most compliance officers would tell you is generally outside of the compliance program, right? Run by finance and accounting and the external auditors are very focused on that. But what it does is it gives you a lot more comfort in understanding that those controls are in place from a financial and accounting standpoint. Now, as a compliance officer, you have the responsibility to make sure, you know, how things are being paid, whether you're doing sanction screening, obviously for procurement, lots of fraud and other things that can occur. But at a baseline, you have very strong and audited financial controls, which gives you a lot more peace of mind. Now, it also depends on what kind of company you're in, in terms of those controls and global reach on how effective they are at the end of the day. And that's one of the things that compliance also always have to figure out. But in my roles over the years in compliance, I've always tried to work very closely with internal audit, with the finance and accounting folks, because the best way to understand what issues are bubbling up are to be close to the folks that have those controls that you just referenced. Stephen, we've visited about your professional career from your early days, state government work, federal government work, into U.S. public companies, into the law firm and other consulting world. And I'd ask you now to maybe reflect back on the, those different stages in your careers. And what do you see as some of the key things you learned at really each stop or each general category of place to work that using. To I'd say one of them, first one is probably can't believe what people always tell you, right? You got to verify. <laughs> saying trust, but verify is very true of compliance officers. And I'm not speaking of any, anything in particular of my current company, but historically of what you look at, the fraud that's committed by senior management, all the issues that I've had to deal with clients, that trust, but verify is a real thing when you're talking about compliance officers. The second thing I think that's critically important is as a compliance officer, you need to be embedded in the business. You cannot just sit at the headquarters. You know, you need to go out and understand how the business works. If you're in a manufacturing place or you're in oil and gas, you need to be out on the lines or out in the fields because unless you see how it's really working, you can't understand it. I try to build relationships across the company. So not just at the senior management level, you know, not just at the headquarters. I try to really look at the, each of the business units. I try to look at the leaders of those units. I try to go much more downstream in terms of what I'll call the normal employees because you find out a lot of good information from people who are not in leadership. Leadership doesn't always get communicated uh, trouble spots or problems problems because people can be nervous to do that. And so building those relationships helps you be a better leader of the compliance function. You get more information, but they're more apt to call you. And so I think those trying to build that proactive relationships matters at the end of the day. Like those are probably the two biggest things, trust and verify and build relationships if you want to be a really successful compliance officer. Stephen, one of the themes I have heard you talk about throughout this podcast series, you said it, get out of the ivory tower. But it's more than get out of the ivory tower. It's actually put boots on the ground where the action's going on. And you talked about that as an AUSA going into, I think you called it F District. You talked about that in your U.S. public 
corporate work. And you talked about that in your consulting work where you said, now I know what it's like to walk in a mine. And those are things you just, you can read and see a movie, but you can't understand what it feels like until you've done it. So I was wondering if you could maybe give a few more thoughts on not so much getting out of the office and talking to people, but actually experience what the boots on the ground folks are having to experience. Why do you find that so critical? I think to me, it's always, whether it was a prosecutor or lawyer, it's about gathering information, right? And the only way you gather information at the end of the day that you can absolutely trust is to see it with your own eyes. And I could tell you, and I really learned this as a prosecutor, which is you'd have a lot of defense attorneys who would be criticizing a law enforcement officer because he didn't check a box on his form or he didn't write something clearly, or he left out a certain word or, or he missed filing something. But what you don't understand in that context is the guy just got shot at. He's writing this report in one of the worst, most notorious districts in Washington, D.C., on the hood of his car with almost no light while he's just arrested this guy that shot somebody in the head. Right. And so his report might not be perfect. And the reason it's not perfect is because he was dealing with a lot of things out there. And it's the same thing in corporate America. Right. If you're just getting information that comes up to headquarters, you're not seeing what actually led to the event. Right. Or what caused the problem at the mine or why do we have this environmental issue? But you're able to not just be reactive when you're actually on the ground experiencing it, because you can see with your own eyes about why are people making decisions or why do we have this control problem or why is communication not happening from the mine or from the manufacturing line? Or why does this seem to be the same problem in this business unit among different leaders, right? And so the more experience you have of seeing it in person and live, the better you're gonna be able to assess that situation and address it going forward. To me, that's just critical. So now I'd like to ask you to maybe turn your head the other way from looking back to looking forward. But I'm going to start with something that you used to say when we spoke together. And I think it was either a quote or remarks from Lanny Brewer, but you said with a passion that it was yours, which is essentially your compliance program has to be dynamic. It cannot be static because business is ever changing. And you said that back in 2010 or 2011. And 10, 11, 12 years later, it's probably even more so true. So I was wondering if you could maybe look down the road and where do you see compliance programs going on this continued evolution that both you and I have seen over the past 15 years? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I think Lanny Brewer did a great job when he was at Justice and trying to help move forward the importance of compliance officers, compliance programs, because they really are fundamentally a strong benefit to a corporation. And we, you and I both know a lot of times it gets looked at as a cost center, but if it's done correctly and you're proactive, you're actually saving the money, considerable business, you're helping it be, you're helping it perform better. So I always talk about my job is not to just meet government expectations or just have a compliance program that is in line with DOJ guidance. What I say is that's the base minimum of my job. My job should really be to help the enterprise reduce risk and maximize performance at the end of the day. And the only way you're gonna be able to do that is to continually evolve with the business. Because if you look at any of these corporations, corporations that are stagnant, they, you're always gotta be thinking about what's down the road, what do we have to do in our industry, or what's the new thing that's gonna come up? What's the one that's gonna, the company that's gonna drive us out of business if we don't change? And so I try to talk about compliance programs always evolving. And that certainly is adopted by DOJ. It's something that I talk to our board about, or I talked to the board of directors when I was a consultant. But it's also what you should be doing in your personal life. 
you should always be trying to evolve and do new things. You're a perfect example, right? You guys picked up your life and moved to a different part of Texas and experiencing a whole different world. And it's great because it's refreshing. It's fun. It's interesting. You're learning stuff. And that's what you should do as a compliance officer, both in your personal life and your professional life. And the company is always doing that, right? So if you talk to the ELT, they're always in their various roles thinking about what's coming, what do I need to do next? And you should absolutely be doing the same thing in compliance. Now, what does that mean? What's coming next? You probably have your pulse on it even better than I do. So maybe I'll reverse it and ask you the question in a minute. But I think you're going to see more dynamic involvement by compliance officers on things like boards of directors going forward. And you and I've talked about that a little bit. You're going to see data analytics being used at a greater level in compliance programs. I think a lot of compliance officers are lawyers and don't, they're slow to embrace technology. That's going to come. You're going to see things like code of conduct become much more dynamic than they were just a staid corporate policy. You're going to continue to see the trend of less training and more tailored and specific types of things you want to do. And, and then I think for us, one of the things I'm going to be focused on, I mean, I have a whole enhancement plan that I want to do because that's what every compliance officer should have, as we talked about, is around really compliance and ethics communication. And so I think those are, that's one that doesn't happen as much as it should is really communicating why we're doing this. And it goes back to where I was teaching and on sustainability and leadership and doing the right thing about ethics, because compliance is one thing, but that's the base level. Ethics is really doing it the level you want to be. And then the thing I think is going to be most important, and it's going to certainly involve compliance officers is the movement to ESG, right? Governance is obviously has a big part about legal and compliance is in the G part of ESG. But being a good corporate citizen while being profitable and doing the right thing for all stakeholders, that's the critical part. And compliance has a huge role to play in the ESG world. And to me, that's, that's going to be one of the most dynamic changes that goes on. You mentioned data, and I wanted to bring that up in the context of professional football. Because there's this ongoing debate now about data analytics in football. We had that debate in baseball. Is it taking away the fun of baseball? And in football, if it's 53% versus 47%, you're supposed to go for it on fourth down. Yeah, it's changing the game a little bit, isn't it? But what I hear is the data analytics people are missing the point of the seasoned professional, whether that's the head coach, whether that's assistant coaches, whether it's people who see, yes, we have a 53% chance here to go for it on fourth down, but we don't have a play against this defense that's going to succeed at one and a half yards. So I wanted to maybe end with you, your thoughts on every tech solution and every data solution, I think calls for greater professionalism of compliance professionals. And I wanted to maybe end with that for you. Yeah, look, it's uh, data analytics is going to be driving everything we do in the world now. The data analysts are, it's a super hot area to go into. All the corporations are interested in it. You're seeing it in all the sports leagues. I will tell you, you and I know my daughter is a, was a recruited D1 athlete, right? She's going to your alma mater, the University of Michigan, which I can see those helmets back there. We'll shout out, go blue. But as we were going through the recruiting with her, um, we actually met with data analysts for the teams at these colleges, right? And they're hiring people to do this for college D1 teams. And my daughter plays lacrosse and field hockey, right? So we're not just talking football and basketball, but they are, they put chips on them. They measure what they're doing on a daily basis, both when they're on the field and when they're off the field and what they're watching everything, they can see it all. And it's pretty wild to think about what's happening, not only in corporations, but across all these channels from data analytics. And I don't know where it's going to head, but I will tell you that data analytics has been underutilized in the compliance field for sure. And that corporations are going to, they're going to have to 
think about how do you spend money or utilize what tools you have to be more effective. And all of us know that if we had some of those tools, we could see trends that are happening. And you and I have talked about this over time, which is compliance when it first started and compliance officers, it was all reactive. Now it's mostly reactive with some of the people that are more proactive like me or you, and we really think about this, but then we're going to get to the predictive part, right? When we're using data analytics, where we can see things in advance, we can see trends or we can see risk, or we can see what's happening in some of the parts of our company where we couldn't before. And we're not there yet. And, but we will as a compliance group, it'll continue to move that way. And this will be very interesting to see. I think going back to your question a minute ago, what do you see as the biggest trends in compliance over the next 10 years? So I see expansion of the compliance function to have a wider variety of professional backgrounds, mm-hmm. not just a lawyer, not just a compliance professional, the, the data analytics, the behavioral psychologist, corporate organizational specialist, yep. human resource asset, ESG and sustainability folks. So I think that I love your thoughts on the, around the predictive to be able to see around corners, I think it's going to be critical, or I would say it's to see risk, be able yeah. to identify risk, assess risk and manage risk, because that's one function of compliance. And the third part is utilizing a more effective compliance program to make your business more efficient, leading to greater ROI. And if we can make that connection, I think that's going to be a true game changer where we can demonstrate causation to from effective compliance all the way to ROI. That's where I see things going. Yeah, I agree with you on all those, actually. I think that's exactly right. Well, Stephen, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this fourth and final episode. I wanted to thank you a bit. Again, it's been a ton of fun, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. It's always great, Tom. You do an amazing job with your podcast and you've made a real difference in the compliance community. So you should be proud of what you do in all of the various topics that you cover and all of the things you've been doing for years because you've made a big difference in moving the compliance industry forward. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you will join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.